and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. My name is Courtney. We talk we about... Talk about I, the that's <laughs> my line, Courtney. I did it. I did it. I did it. The and directors of Personalized Learning. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Here's what we're going to do today. It's the end of the school year, Courtney. Oh, pretty darn close. Pretty darn close. I think for some some of the districts that that I am working with now, uh, they actually are finishing up this week. Stop it! Which is crazy coming from that Maine, where you still have what five more months of school, or is that six more months of winter? <laughs> sure. Both. <laughs> Both. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk today about uh, interview questions because people move yeah. around a lot, and this is the time of year that happens, and. Yep. You, as a listener, want to get the right people in your district, the ones who are learner-centered. Right. Or you, as a listener, want to give good answers to interview questions. Ah, also that. Yes. Right. So we're going to go so, through yeah. some, uh, some like, styles of questions and mm. what, the, what the answers might be. Yeah. What, so they, and this is all based on, <laughs> I mean, the truth that is the opinions of Matt and Courtney, but yeah. <laughs> so we have in the course of our careers, we have interviewed many, 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 many people for a variety of positions in schools. But I'd say, I'm going to say for the last, you know, 10 years of my career in schools, we were definitely looking for learner centered people, mm-hmm. people who knew about learner-centered practices or personalized learning, dare we say that, um, or at one point in Maine, the term was, you know, mass customized learning, kind of all of that, mm-hmm. all of that hullabaloo. hullabaloo. Uh, so there are some questions that, and for a while, Matt and I served on interview committees together, mm-hmm. uh, which was fun. And so, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So, so we're just going to share some of the types of questions that we like to ask and what we were looking for in answers and then some general tips, general interview tips for teachers and administrators, I suppose, for anyone looking for a job in education. Right. So I, I think one of the key points before we get into this is knowing what some of those answers, if you are the interviewer, knowing mm-hmm. what some of the answers you're looking for are and not just being- yeah blinded sometimes by you know the amazing interview of people who really speak really well but don't really have any substance that that happens all the time people Uh, who wave their hands a lot but don't really have anything to say for you for you listeners out there we're both like waving our hands and we're waving our hands (laughs) Um, so so knowing what the answers are and this helps the rest of the committee also if there is more people on your committee telling them this is what we should be looking for if this is the yeah. type of person that we want for the position we're interviewing for uh, yeah. and which helps with both sides so if you are going for an interview getting these type of questions we're kind of giving you the answers uh for what for what you want to say if you really want a learner-centered job at that point so right. that's right. kind of the, the scope of going into it so yeah so let's get going. I really do like that. That's funny that you said that because I'm like, I think I used to do that. I'll, oftentimes I would get tasked with, I love this. I love writing. It's sick. 
I like writing interview questions. And I will share some of the questions that I have gotten into interview committees that uh, aren't necessarily on, Matt and I are sharing a list right now that aren't necessarily on the list. Okay. Um, but I, I had a supervisor at one point who really put quite a lot of trust in me and would let me write the interview questions. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, something I always did was under the question, write examples of like what we want, what great answers to these questions for our, our circumstance would be um, as a way to, like Matt was saying, to help kind of calibrate and help people have, have a clear target. What? Why? <laughs> that sounds silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So the first question, right? Fine. Ask it. <laughs> yeah. It's like the icebreaker question, right? To kind of to tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're applying for this position. To mm -hmm. me, that second half is really what I care about. Yeah. Like I've seen your resume. I've read your packet. Yeah. I know your history, but I want to know why you want to be in our learning community. Um, so for me, a great answer to that question kind of gives the elevator pitch for their, their, their career, right? And what makes them, and they say something about being learner-centered or, or, you know, whatever, um, but then goes into meaningful reasons for why I want to be in the position, mm -hmm. right? Like clearly they know something about the school uh, or about the district. So I remember, you? I no, I totally agree that I think the why is the more important part. And actually, I think that might be when you can tell whether an interview is over in the first 30 seconds or not. Yeah. Uh, I've done a lot of interviewing of people and the first thing they say about why you're applying this position, my favorite answer that is like, I put my pen down every single time is, uh, well, I live nearby. Yeah, no. I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Uh, you're not getting this job, but that's good for you. Uh, and I'm done. I put, the, I put the pen down and I write nothing else the rest of the interview because I don't care. I hey, don't care. Let's, can we talk about that for a minute? Like sure. the putting the pen down thing? I don't know how many people know what that means. Um, and just, I do, I guess I have a question about education interviews versus interviews elsewhere in general. So, so Matt is talking about a strategy, a communication strategy uh, that we have used in, and I've used in other school, other places, not just with Matt. And it's, I've read about it in leadership books. So it's a pretty well-known strategy that during interviewing, a sign that you can give to your interview group that you disagree with a candidate or would not hire a candidate is to put your pen down on the table. Mm -hmm. And yeah, for sure, I've done that. Or honestly, what I do a lot of times is I just, you, if you look at my interview notes, I'm doodling. I'm like, or I'm writing things like, please make this stop. Like I'm writing off, you know. So you're amusing yourself more. <laughs> I'm amusing myself more than just putting the pen down. But here's why I don't put the pen down. And I think it's really interesting that you do put the pen down because I know about you that you have spent more time outside of the education field than I have. Yep. Um, so outside of the education field, people will end an interview <laughs> if they decide they don't want a candidate. Yep. And so it makes sense. The pen down is a, it's like an actionable strategy, right? So if you've got three people on an interview committee and two of them want to put their pen down, that might 
that lets the other people know, like, I don't know about this candidate. And then like, if shortly afterward, all three pens are down on the table, whoever's like in charge, quote unquote, of the interview will say like, thank you for your time. They will end the interview. That doesn't happen, at least not in main education interviews. We have to go through every single question, no matter what. Yeah. And I think there's, I think there's good reasons for that being that you want to give everybody the same fair chance that there's mm -hmm. no, there's no bias involved, whether it be about race or age or gender or, mm -hmm. or anything like that. So you're giving sure. everybody the same chance, even though you can tell within 30 seconds, sometimes you know, the, yeah. the live nearby part, it's like, for me, that's, <laughs> that's just a no, I don't care who you are. That's just, yeah. that's just a no. If you're leading with that in the interview, that my house is right over there. Like, I think I would lead with something else. If you, if you make that the last thing in this particular answer, but you started with all, I know that you're doing some learner-centered things. I want to be a part of it. I know some other teachers in your district. I'm really excited to be here. And I also live nearby. So it's an extra bonus for me. That yeah. is fine by me because you've led right. with the good stuff. If you yeah. lead with, I live nearby, my God, I live nearby. just stop. But yeah, you're right. In in the private sector, when I was before I became an educator, I worked in a lot of like retail stores. Yeah. And I'd been through a couple of interviews that end like in two or three minutes. They're yep. just like, Yeah, we don't think you're a good fit. Uh, thanks for coming. Yeah. But oh, okay. In education, right. I was expecting the same type of thing. No. Even, even though I interviewed a couple of places, I remember when I first became a teacher and it was clear that I was yeah. not a good fit, nor did they want me and I didn't want them, but we had to go through all the motions of the yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, afterwards I'm like, why didn't I just get up and leave, right, right. <laughs> you know, but, and I'm sure they were thinking the same thing, but you can't do that. And that was a yeah. shock to me when I started interviewing other, um, other teachers, it was like, no, you have to go through it's, it's all about equity. It's, it's oh, super strange. So I yeah. guess the whole point of the last five minutes is do not lead with, I live nearby. Don't lead with, yeah, yeah, That's, yeah. don't do that. Okay, yeah, so then that. a follow-up question, like the next question I should say, um, that if it, if it doesn't come next is often one that's early on, is something that gets at describing your philosophy of teaching. Mm -hmm. Right, it might, it, or it might be um, kind of talk, being asked to talk about the kind of classroom culture you would set up. That would be mm -hmm. another one. Um, kind of philosophy of teaching and or classroom culture. And so I'm going to say that if the question was philosophy of teaching, I better hear about culture and the importance of classroom culture, right? That would make a great answer. Mm -hmm. um, I, because I, think that, I think that might be like another one of those, you can really tell where they're coming from whether they, and I think you were about to get into this, but whether you're talking about, you know, designing a culture with the students, or I have a great set of classroom management skills that I do. Mm -hmm. That's a huge difference right there. Right. How they say that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And in the, the philosophy, it should, if so a learning centered candidate, it should, it should come out clearly as learner centered. It should be about setting up agency of learners, including learner voice and choice. It should, you should hear the word learner more than you hear the word I, right? Like Matt was just saying. Mm -hmm. um, you would want them to boil it down to a few clear points. For me, I am knocked out of the water if someone can actually 
anchor their philosophy or their beliefs about classroom culture in um, in researchers or authors or even well-known thinkers, mm-hmm. like that's um, that's clutch if someone can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Did I use that correctly? Did I use that? You correctly? did. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I was uh, I was still thinking about the knocked out of the water part. I'm not sure if that yeah. if that was right, but Clutch <laughs> was hey, why right. Not? <laughs> Clutch was knocked out of the water. Oh my god. Okay. I think I think I'd like to interject another just like kind of general comment about um um interview questions here, and this is something Matt and I have have um have heated kind of heated conversations with other people on interview panels with us about, and that I have also had in other in other districts when I didn't work with Matt, um, that don't, when you write your interview questions, keep them as general as possible. Don't lead, don't lead the witness. Don't give away the answers you're looking for in the question, right? So like describe your philosophy of teaching, period. Like, if you say, like, talk to us about how you would set up a learner-centered culture, you're telling them what you, like, (laughs) like, you want someone who has learner-centered down, right, who that's what they go to. They don't need to be prompted to tell you that. They're going to tell you it on their own. Right. I think think that's a great point. Uh, (laughs) One thing that I have seen in some interviews is that the interviewer talks too much. It's not about you asking the questions. You don't need explanations. Ask the question. It'll come out. They'll, they'll, if somebody doesn't understand something, they will either talk anyway or ask you for clarifications, but basically stop talking. It's not about you. It's about them and whether you want to hire these people that you're interviewing. So just let, let them figure it out themselves. Yeah. They're smart people. They'll be able to ask for clarifications if they're not quite sure, which may even mm-hmm. be better than them just talking in the first place. Right. So I love that one. What's what's the yeah. next one? Um, I think then there's a series of uh, questions about, uh, not a series of questions, but the next few topics that I think are worth asking about, I like to offer as scenarios. hmm I'm a fan of, of scenario questions um, in general. So there's, there should be something about, you know, dealing with behavior classroom management. Um, and you want someone who's going to give some kind of nod to social emotional learning and trauma-informed principles, right? Or maybe they're going to talk about something like restorative practices or things like that. But mm-hmm. something about that, um, restorative nature, and again, highlighting classroom culture. Like if classroom culture doesn't come up there, um, big red flag. Mm-hmm. What do you think? No, I, I, I think I think you're right on that one. I wanna get into the, do you wanna talk about the scenario questions yet? Or do you wanna wait a little bit to get through this series of topics? No, let's talk about scenario questions. So scenario questions I think are really good unless, you're setting up the scenario with an obvious answer to it. Oh, agreed, yeah. Because I, I'm thinking about some of the, what seems like a thousand principles that I've interviewed for positions. And the scenario question that is like the standard one is you've got 
uh, kids fighting in the lunchroom. You've got a parent waiting on the phone. Yeah, and you've got these three things. So which one do you do first? And it's clearly you take care of the safety of the kids. The parent always comes last because you're focused on the kids in the school. So whatever order that is, and I've always fought with the other interviewers on the panel, like that is literally the dumbest question ever because everyone gets it right and doesn't really explain much more because we're running out of time because it's one of the last questions and the people who get it wrong, we don't want anyway. So like, why is this one here? Why can't we make another scenario that actually makes them think about what they're doing or, or a different Mm -hmm. scenario? Cause you're always expecting that scenario as a principal, if you've ever interviewed for a principal and I never have, but I've been on the other side where I'm interviewing the principal candidates and that yeah. question has been standard for the 10 years that, that I interviewed yeah, principals. Standard question. Yeah, everybody okay, it gets it right. Better, yeah, it would be better to say, like, talk about a time where you had competing needs. What were the competing needs and what did you do? Like, That's a way better scenario right there because now yeah. they're coming up with some of the experience that they have had, yeah. whether they've been a principal or not, or maybe something in their teaching life uh, and they're trying to become a principal. Now you're coming up with a scenario that was difficult for the person, but they're letting you know, this is what happened. This is what we did to fix it. And and now now it's not just like, okay, ABC, that's the order, not BAC. And, you know, it's my God, again, we're leading the, the, we're leading the witness, as you said, (laughs) with some of our questions. Stop doing that. I like the general part of tell me about a time where you had competing interests and what did you do to resolve it? Yeah. Done. And it makes them think right then and there about what it is because they're definitely not expecting that question. Nope. Right. So start expecting that question, everybody. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, uh, I'm always a big fan of answering the question that I want to answer, which makes me why I don't always get what I want sometimes, but yeah. You know, like a like a good politician, you answer the question that you want to answer, not the one yeah. that's asked to you. So right. if you do come up with some type of weird scenario that is very specific, like answer it quickly, but then do your own thing about this was a time that I had these different competing needs. And, you know, this yeah. is how I resolved that one, because yeah. you can kind of knock that one off like, okay, students first, parents last whatever yeah. we'll take care of it in like 10 minutes and you know what i'm gonna get some help most likely because right. i'm not the only person here but let me tell you about this other time right and then you've already changed that you've kind of impressed them a little bit because you're thinking on your feet when right. you probably already rehearsed that because you're listening to us right now <laughs> right. but I, right. I, I i like that is like make it yeah. the answers that you, if you're not getting good learner-centered questions which is very possible you can make all your answers learner-centered. Make all your answers learner-centered. You know, right, regardless yeah. of, and, and you'll know right away whether you're going to be a good fit there or not, just from the right. questions that you're being asked, but you can always turn it around on them. Right. So, all right, let's go to the next yeah. one. Yeah. So, so you want to, um, I'm not going to, so we have on there like questions about uh, parent communication relationships. That's one you're probably going to get asked. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. Um, but I think the kinds of questions that I think you need as an interview committee looking for a learner-centered teacher, you need to ask 
a couple key questions. One has to be something about dealing with the variety of learning levels in a classroom. And again, I think you just say something like that, right? Talk about how you would deal with a wide range of learning abilities and needs in your classroom. You might say in math, in science, you know, it, you can specify a subject, but um, flat out ask that question. Yep. And right, what your, your a learner-centered answer, they're going to talk about having clear targets. Hopefully they're going to talk about, if they, if they talk about learning progressions, hire them right away. Um, sure. Right, yeah. They'll talk about having flexible groups in some way or, you know, choice, voice and choice around instruction. Um, definitely choice, maybe not voice, kind of depends on, like that's a forgivable one, right? But if they don't talk about choice, red flag. Um, and if they can talk about learner interests. So if they're saying those kinds of things, that's good. So those are the kinds of things you want to say. Um, and I think in general, Matt kind of said this too, like anytime you can bring up an example from your experience and use the example as the illustration of your answer to the question, that's a good thing for sure. So what about, as, as I uh, look at one of the next ones, talks about uh, collaboration with colleagues. Mm -hmm. as, as you're talking about like the flexible grouping and meeting their kids needs with you know all the things you just said do you think it would be appropriate to involve like I maybe I'd like to share my kids a little bit so we can like figure out my strengths are these and I know my weaknesses yeah. in the classroom therefore if I had somebody else to help that we could share share the load basically so instead of my 20 kids they're not just my 20 kids, they're everybody's 20 kids. So why don't we get a few teachers together and now it's like maybe my 60 kids and how do I meet their needs in that way? I think that would be appropriate to ask that may not be set up, but I think it also right. applies right away that you are a good teammate and you're not yeah. just going to shut your door and you figure it all out on your own. That That's yeah. an impossible way to teach these days is when you're doing it by right. yourself. Um, right. So I think bringing that up right there in that, mm -hmm. in those other questions, anytime you can, you can speak to being a team player and this is how I would do it. You're right. Saying yeah. give an illustration of, okay, I am really good at teaching the statistics part, but not so much the algebra part, but my partner right. door is the exact opposite. Yeah. Teaching the same class. How about we share all the kids and then teach to our strengths. That way, every, all the kids will get the best of everybody at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is also where you can talk interdisciplinary, right? Talk about partnering with people from other content and how you have done it or how you are curious about doing it. Right. Um, if you haven't, right. If you haven't been in a situation where that was possible mm -hmm. um, or how you have, you know, what, maybe you didn't get to full on team teach with the art teacher, right. But you uh, worked on something where, you know, the two of you had to plan together in some way, right? Like mm -hmm. all of all, all of that kind of stuff, showing that you understand the give and take and you understand um, how good collaboration is about like comp complementing one another. Agreed. Um, which kind of goes through this areas of strength and weakness, right? A question about that. Um, this isn't one I see often, 
actually, but I think it's one we should be asking. Um, Mrs. Bard? Yeah. I think you can, I think we should be asking it, yeah. And yeah. I think it just, like, like we just talked about with the last one, sometimes it comes out naturally, especially when we're trying to collaborate with other teachers. Like these are yeah. my strengths as a teacher that I know. Right. These are, I know these are my weaknesses. So I would need somebody to help me with that and not necessarily like coach me up, but right. how do I basically offload those weaknesses to somebody else's strengths? And then yeah. I can in reverse do the same thing. I can take their weaknesses because they're my strengths. And right. that sometimes comes out. But if we want to be very specific about asking those questions to get that out there too. I think that would be very humbling for people because uh, I see your very first great answer here is um, being honest about an area of strength and weakness. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. of people, I'm, I'm trying to think what, what the standard answer for that is. And it's usually, well, I'm a great communicator or I'm a great classroom yeah. manager or it's like, I'm a great something. It's like, yeah. I would never say I'm a great anything honestly, yeah. <laughs> which sounds weird because I, I, you know, I do have like sometimes strong opinions, but, yeah. uh, but it's not, it's not about me. I know my strengths. It's, it's like, I am an okay teacher better at some of these subjects than others. Yeah. Right. Well, see here. It's so interesting. Like I actually don't like it when someone names subject as their strengths. I meant standards. Math. I meant standards. Because I okay, was that's, yeah. so I was only right. a math teacher, but I am better at teaching some standards than others. Okay, uh, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. But like, like I so feel like I don't want. I think about like a middle school teacher or an elementary teacher. Like, I don't want to hear like, oh, my weakness is science. I don't want to hear that. No, I want to hear, you know, something about teaching in general. Right? Because, like, because good teaching can happen anywhere. It doesn't matter. That's true. Um, right. So I, I'm not explaining that well, but that that's an answer I don't like is when people say kind of like a general thing like that. Like I'd rather hear something like, you know, I really struggle with X, Y, or Z. Here's something, here's some things that I've tried uh, or, you know, or something I've been focusing on getting better at. If you don't want to say I struggle with this, like, uh, and it could be anything, just not a whole subject. <laughs> that's fair. That, that's very fair. I did misspeak to be yeah. very clear, yeah. but I totally get what you're saying is that you, I think the point is to be honest about what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's okay if you say that, that if you are the interviewee, that you're struggling with something. Totally. Um, I, I think I, it is. I think as the, if I'm sitting on the panel and the candidate said that to me that they're struggling about X, Y, or Z. I'd be like, that is like super honest. And I think immediately I can see myself working with that person because they're just going to tell me how it is. And this is what I need help with. Not like, you know, I'm, my weakness is this, I'm okay at it, but it's not as well. It's like, don't be yeah. wishy-washy. If, if you're yeah. struggling with something or if you are, you have a right. weakness, say it. Yeah. Because that's going to shock the panel a little bit, I think, and say, yeah. so how do I work with this person? Yeah. It's so this leads really me to thing. kind of like the next kind of thing. And here's, so here's an example of a question that I've, I've put in to interview sometimes. I, and since I've been stopped doing it and my, my supervisor and I have had long 
at the time had had long conversations about it. We both really liked the question, but no one answers it well. So we were like, oh, fine. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, so kind of something about like things that don't go well, right? But in particular, um, I want people to have to talk about conflict. So here's the problem. When you say, talk about a time where you had to deal with conflict with a colleague, everyone says, oh, I get along with everybody. I don't ever have conflict. And that's not, I'm not talking about a fight, not talking about the time that you got into it, you know, a little pissing match with a colleague. No, talking about when you disagree with someone or something. Mild disagreement to stronger disagreement, but that happens all the time. Mm. We have, we disagree on points on things or how to do something. And I want to know how someone uh, handles it, right? What their, what their disagreement style is like. Um, As of yet, I have not worded a question around that well. Um, other than talk about a time something didn't go well <laughs> and maybe specifying with a colleague or um, in your classroom. Right. Um, and so great answers say what didn't go well, uh, reflect their own role in what didn't go well, um, talk more about their own role in what didn't go well rather than the other people's issues, right? And then what they've learned um, and how they would do it differently if they got the chance to. So I need to tell you about a question that, uh, two questions that I love to ask. One cracks me up every time <laughs> I uh, suggest using it and have used it in leadership questions, specifically for instructional coaches and then for, for some other kind of leadership roles. So the question is, it's uh, describe your process for painting a room in your house. Okay. It's throws people because it has nothing to do with education, but it has everything to do with working on a team, right? And figuring out, is this a big picture person or a detail picture, detail person, right? How someone answers that question tells you a lot about them. And so for a while, this is, we used this one at one district where we were looking to hire like a counterpart for me. I was an instructional coach, we, we were hiring another one. And I knew like, uh, you know, As one particular colleague, you and I both know, who jokes that his answer would be he stands in the middle of the room and just opens the paint can and like twists, right? And that's that's how he paints the room. Not that big picture, but like, I don't always tape off the walls, right? I don't always tape off for the trim. So, (laughs) okay. So I wanted someone who's going to tape off the trip, right? Like I knew that I, I needed someone to compliment. So I think it's, it's, I think asking those kinds of questions are okay to do and are fun to do um, and signal in some way that your organization, right? Or your team or whatever are a little bit outside of the box thinkers, right? Don't, um, so that's one, I think that's a really fun question to ask. Describe your process for painting a room. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Like, yeah, the person in that particular instance, the person that we hired was like, well, first I consider kind of like the, you know, the color scheme, like didn't blink, was like, this is a totally normal question. Right yeah. into it. <laughs> like, yeah. That's right awesome. It. It was like my person. That's you awesome. Know, uh, yeah. Talked about like making sure that the paint matches the, the scheme, 
they tape they would tape off I don't remember if they did the walls first or the trim first I don't really care but like their answer was like they said the things where I was like yep that's the kind of person I need to help me paint the room yep. in my house um so that's one. another question I really like to ask is what are you reading right now okay and um for me that answer does a few things a good answer does a few things like a stellar answer they have at least three books which might not be fair, but they've got a personal book. <laughs> they have, okay. They've got a, like they've got a per maybe two. Let's say two books. They've got a personal book and they have a professional book going at the you know at the same time. Um, actually, for a while, if I was if if it was for like a a, a literacy based position, it was three books that they would have a personal escape book. They would be reading a book for the that matches the age the ages of the learners, like you know a young a book for their group age level that they work with, and then a professional literature book. Um, I might actually say that that stands that an excellent answer has three books. You know, they have youth literature, they have adult literature, and a, or adult fun. It could be nonfiction literature. I didn't care, but then and a, and a professional book. But certainly, uh, they should be able to answer that they are reading something if they're not reading anything that's a problem to me <laughs> i would agree that's that's interesting about uh yeah so a, a follow-up question to that one is have you ever rejected somebody because of the books they're reading no okay that would be awesome no. by the way you're like yeah. oh, I hate that book. you're out that's a crappy book not hiring you <laughs> you like that book whatever we cannot be hired <laughs> That's good to know. Um, good I, to know. I think, you know, if they, I remember one time someone answered the question, like the only answer they gave was a professional book that they knew we had been reading as a staff. And I was like, mm, no, try too hard. <laughs> oh, I'm reading uh, the Dr. Marzano Art and Science of Teaching. It's always yes. on my desk. That's exactly, that's exactly what it was. No one reads that on purpose for fun. No one reads that Nobody on does. Purpose. You pick it up occasionally to bolster your knowledge and uh -huh. read stuff. Nobody, nobody goes front to back. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> so don't answer that way. Yeah, don't, don't do that. answer with only a professional learning book. Or if it, it is, make it like an engaging one. Marzano books are not engaging. Again, they're informative. They're not, they're not page trainers. <laughs> in any way shape or form <laughs> uh, oh my goodness okay and one other question that is really great to ask is what excites you about education or what's happening in education that excites you, you know, and honestly, this is their chance Go. One, yeah. one of the things is people have a hard time answering that question yeah they do that's that's it seems like the most obvious question but it it throws people for a loop i know it really does and i don't get it <laughs> i you know but the people that are that answer it well are always people you want to hire because they're Agreed. excited about something in education like they're Agreed. paying attention they're learning there's still something that keeps them going yeah. um, and that's who you want yeah i would i would agree on that one wholeheartedly that's usually one you end with right yeah that's totally the, the ending question yeah yeah you can usually tell if they're going to be a dud by then with all of the other questions that we've just asked, especially yeah. that very front question 
uh, about why you're applying for this position. There should right. be, you should answer that with excitedness about yeah. something. Why do you want to work here? Well, this is why. Blah, 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 blah. And then you end <laughs> with the same type of thing. Yeah. And they're answering it relatively the same. It seems like that's the same question. You're just seeing if, yeah. they, if they've got that or not. And, you know, it, it, it's the hardest question for people to answer because they can usually make yeah. the other ones because they're pretty fairly straightforward ones. Even if they're not good answers, they can at least mm -hmm. give an answer. I've seen people just kind of sit there for 30 seconds and thinking yeah. about something. Not know what to say. Oh my Lord. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm like, I can think of like 20 things that excite me that I could talk about and be excited to talk about. Exactly. So that's why I have a podcast. Yeah, we just, right. we just took the interview to, to, to this. That's all. Yeah. So, all right. So I want to give some other general tips okay. about, about, so first, like for sure, like know the answers ahead of time, whether you're the interviewee or the interviewer, right? Like know the answers you want to hear and know the answers you want to give. Yep. Um, this is a thing, portfolios. Okay. Especially for more so for teachers than for like coaches or administrators, I think at, at this point, right? Okay. But um, if you're going to bring your your portfolio to the interview with you, and I see this more with like new teachers right out of school because they were forced to make this like honking thing. That <laughs> fine, great. Um, it's only useful if you actually use it. Mm -hmm. during the interview right be ready to flip to particular pages and point to them and and use them as evidence to support your answers the worst thing is to do at the very end to whip it out and say oh and I've got this portfolio if you want to look at I'll just let you pass it around no don't do that mm -hmm. don't idea. do that and don't don't offer it at the beginning of the interview either as like an extra thing for people to look at right if you're gonna use it, use it as a visual aid <laughs> during your answers. And if you do that well, that's actually highly impressive. Agreed. Um, yeah, so uh, if you don't know something, be honest that you don't know, and then talk about how you would find the answer. Mm -hmm. Oh, good one, I like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, or ask back like, you know, I'm not sure what, I'm not entirely clear on what that is. You know, can you, um, who would be the person in your school that I would get, I would want to seek out to get support with that? Like, that would be an awesome answer. I like that. Yeah. yeah that works good. Yeah, I think that's all. What have you got? Well, Anything I like the last add? one here that, that really uh, speaks to me. Um, <laughs> don't ramble. You have limited Ramping. time. And, you know, we've been talking for quite a while here, uh, just about like 10 or 11 topics and like how to answer them. I know interviews can get really nerve wracking and you totally. are nervous about these type of things, but you usually only have half hour to an hour to speak to all of these and speak to them well. So yeah. one thing I tend to do a lot, I've noticed is ramble quite a bit. And you just, you just get on a roll of talking and then it's hard to stop sometimes. So I'm always a little more self-conscious in an interview situation, but not in like, just talking like this. Uh, I think our listeners know at this point, we both tend to ramble sometimes. Totally. Yeah, I totally get that. 
but in an interview, don't do it in an interview. <laughs> don't don't do it. Like answer the question and move on because you need to get through all of those questions and to speak to them well, they need to be short and sharp and concise and to get your point across. So I like when you said earlier about knowing the answers. If you're the interviewee, go in with a plan of what you're going to say because you know the questions that are coming for the yeah, most you part. You know their questions. The same. Yeah. So rehearse those answers, make them tight and get in and get out of there. And if you're going to be using those exhibits, plan for that also. Like yeah. the little, as, as you imagine, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of this one teacher that I interviewed that did not <laughs> but they came in with a stack of like four or five books and you know some different clearly portfolio that they made in school that's been yeah. sitting around forever, but just this big pile of stuff they put it next to them, next to their water bottle and their notes and never, never touched it. It was like, are, did you just buy all that stuff? <laughs> and you didn't have a you bag just, to put it in? your pet? You just bring it with you? Or... Well, and, and then yeah. the interview was over and they picked it all up and, and left. I was like, we're all looking around the table like, <laughs> what was that? <laughs> you know? But and I couldn't even see what the books were from the angle that I had. So all I saw, I couldn't yeah. see lines or anything, but it was clearly some professional books and clearly a portfolio and maybe like a regular book that they were just reading, but never touched it. And so weird. I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> yeah. Don't bring stuff you don't need to. Don't bring your pets. Don't, I, I'd be okay if you brought your dog or your cat with you. I'd be okay with that. Okay. I think, I think I'd have a tougher time bringing my cats. But yeah, uh, cats would be harder to get the into the interview. <laughs> Nice. No, yeah, we'd all put our pens down right away if he walked in with a cat and in a cat stroller more so than a cat calendar, a cat oh, uh, carrier. If you had a cat stroller, I would probably be like, <laughs> all right, this person's got some guts. I am interested. <laughs> and then I'd be waiting for the question Do you allow cats in schools? Because Fluffy goes with me everywhere. You're like, well, maybe we can work that out. <laughs> That's what I, I think at this point, we've kind of wrapped this up, but yeah. um, for all of you people out there who are interviewing for positions or interviewing candidates for positions, we hope this will help you a little bit to get the right people. Because the idea when you're interviewing, this is going to sound yeah. dumb, but when you're interviewing for a position or you're interviewing candidates for a position, uh, you want to have the right fit. Yeah. Duh, right? But yeah. You don't you want do. to just hire somebody because you need to fill that position. You want to hire the right position. And I've always been a fan of if I don't find anybody good, if I'm interviewing people, if I don't find somebody good, I'm not going to hire anybody. I'll just do this again in a few weeks because I, I don't want to just get a warm body in there and somebody who doesn't agree with the direction of where we're going. It's right. better, you, you, you'll have trouble in the long run. And if you are in a position where you are interviewing for a new school and you don't feel it's a right fit, even if they offer you the job, say no, you can say no. That is to even yeah. if you don't have another job, don't yeah. go to a place that is not going to be a good fit for you. And you can tell that in the interview too, from the questions you're getting asked and the responses you're kind of getting. So make yeah. sure that these are right fits for your learner centeredness that you want to do, whether you are interviewing or interviewing candidates. 
That's my best advice. Good advice. On that, we'll talk next time. We're just